Welcome to the Power in Motion podcast, the show for women who want to develop a kinder relationship with their body so you can feel healthy, happy, and confident without restricting food, doing torturous exercise, or constantly worrying about the number on the scale. I'm your host, Kim Hagel, size inclusive fitness specialist and certified non diet health and life coach specializing in body image. This podcast is here to provide weight neutral, health at every size aligned information and coaching on sustainable habits and mindset shifts so you can feel your very best in the body you have right now. Let's lace up our runners and go for a walk while we chat. Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Joyful Movement Show. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for dropping by. I'm Kim Hagel, your host, personal trainer, and registered holistic nutritionist, and I am on a mission to help women discover what moves them so they can ditch diet culture and learn to eat and move intuitively and feel confident in their own skin. So this is episode 49 of the Joyful Movement Show, which means we're coming up on our one-year anniversary of this podcast, and I am just so excited and thrilled about that. At the time of this recording, our show has had over 6,000 downloads, and I am so humbled. It just means the world to me that I've been able to share this message with so many women. If you've been hanging out with me for a while, you've heard my story of my early days in the fitness industry and my struggles with disordered eating and exercise. And what I've learned from your comments and messages is that I'm not alone in those struggles. But it felt really lonely at the time. And I really wish back then that someone was talking about all of this stuff. And maybe I would have seen that my healthy lifestyle was really anything but. Perhaps I would have spared myself a lot of shame and isolation. And that is what is driving me to do this work now. I mean, if I can help shine a light and be a support to someone else who's struggling, if I can be that person that I needed 10 years ago for someone else, I am here for that. They say that connection is the antidote to shame. So I am grateful and humbled to be able to connect with you each week in this way. Speaking of our one-year anniversary, I've got a special episode planned for that. I thought I would do an Ask Me Anything episode for number 52. And by anything, I mean anything. So you can send me a DM over on social media or you can email me. Uh, the email address is hello at radiantvitality.ca. And you can ask me any questions you want. Anything's on the table, whether it's about business, my home life, my music tastes, my guilty pleasures, anything goes. And I will answer as many questions as I can fit into an episode in the order they come in. So if you have a juicy question, I suggest getting on that quickly. I'm not going to filter uh, the questions by what I'm comfortable talking about. Just uh, first come, first serve anything goes, so ask away. But getting back to today's episode, number 49, today we're talking all about fitness trackers and answering a question that I got, which is, should I track my fitness or steps or whatever other metric? So I've been a trainer for almost a decade now, and the truth is most of what's taught in the fitness industry is really black and white. We have a culture that's very polarizing. Everything's very all or nothing, right and wrong, good and bad. 
And it's my opinion that this makes fitness very inaccessible to the vast majority of people. Like the rules just simply don't apply to all of us. And the bar is set at essentially perfection. So if we're not doing it right, it leaves us feeling like we're wrong or why bother? And I feel really strongly that movement is one of the most important ways that we can care for our body, mind, and spirit. And regular activity can help our body function its best for as long as possible. But when we force people to fit into this box of exercise that only looks one way, right and wrong, good and bad, I think we're actually contributing to more sedentary behavior. And that's what I'm on a mission to change. I believe that all bodies are capable of movement and need movement and can move joyfully. But we need to think beyond the good and bad, right and wrong, and the typical box that we like to put fitness into and find what works for all of us individually. And often that means having to do some thought work and unlearning of what we've been taught from the fitness industry. And that's where, as we're doing that unlearning, these types of questions come up where we start to look at habits or things that we've always just accepted as truths and begin to wonder, hmm, is this habit really serving me? Is this diet culture? And that question about whether or not to use a fitness tracker is no exception. Once we see diet culture's influence in our life and we start to move away from that and into more intuitive movement and eating, then it stands to reason that we might question if these devices are compatible with the intuitive approach and if they really serve us. The question was initially raised inside my free Facebook community, which, by the way, if you're not in there yet, you should really come and join us. The Joyful Movement Show community is where we dig into all the stuff that we talk about here on this show. It's a safe group filled with women who are all on this journey of figuring out how to move forward free from diet culture together. And you can share your challenges and wins in there. I'm in there each week providing movement practices and mini live coaching sessions and the community is amazing and we know that community is so valuable in cultivating consistency with movement and motivation this undieted way of living can be kind of lonely and countercultural like i said but the community is there for you and just know that the support is available and we'd love to have you join us on the inside so look for the link for that in the show notes so let's explore this. Is tracking your fitness compatible with intuitive movement? Can we move joyfully while we're tracking our fitness? I do want to mention that I did address this topic previously in episode eight when I spoke about principle six of joyful movement. Um, that principle is stop relying on external validation. So in that episode, we talked about some of the most common uses of fitness trackers and how accurate and effective they are for each type of data that they measure. I'll recap some of that information today, but on today's episode, I really wanted to present you with some questions to help you answer that question. Should I use a fitness tracker for yourself? Because, spoiler alert, it's not a yes or no answer. At least, I don't believe it to be. As I said, fitness culture loves to polarize things and make them right or wrong. But I don't think that's helpful or very empowering. 
So I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode eight as well for even more context on this subject, because the more informed you are, the more confident you'll feel to make the decision that's right for you. And the truth is, I don't actually know if you should use one. The bigger question is, does it serve you? I feel like my role here on the show and in the other free content that I share is to dig into the information and research that's available and then present the summary points to you so that you can evaluate the data for yourself and decide which way you want to go. I believe that each person has autonomy and agency to choose their own actions and what they want to participate in. There's all kinds of factors that go into the decisions we make, and I'm certainly in no position to say what's right or wrong or to judge someone's decisions. However, I think it's important that we know why we choose what we choose. In other words, we should apply our critical thinking skills to evaluate the information available to us weigh our options and determine what works best for us and consciously choose our path forward, which is where I hope to come in to help equip you with knowledge and tools and some questions to get you thinking critically so that you can be more actively involved in the decisions in your life and choose that path forward that serves you best. So are fitness trackers good or bad? Well, they're neither. They don't have any moral value on their own. So it's up to you to decide if they're good or bad for you. I really want to encourage you to move away from black and white thinking and move with me into the gray where we can look at things analytically and with curiosity to find your own answer. It is true that fitness trackers can be very diet culture-y. They can lead some people to obsessively track calories, to compare themselves to others or some arbitrary standard, or to rely on external sources of validation like competition and closing rings to feel satisfied or good enough, and lots of other unhealthy or unhelpful behaviors that we're going to talk about. But they can also provide some useful data that can absolutely support an intuitive non-diet approach to fitness. So I encourage you to be curious as I share some of the pros and cons and be honest about your own goals, your own needs, and your own tendencies around tracking. Whether a fitness tracker is a good idea for you or not really depends on what you're using the information for and the meaning that you're attaching to that data. What I really want you to understand is your relationship to the tracker is much more significant than any of the information it provides. So let me ask you a few questions to get you thinking about that relationship you have with your fitness tracker. If you're home and have a journal handy, you might want to jot down some thoughts as we go, or if not, feel free to come back and listen to this later and do your journaling. So number one, Think back to when you first got your fitness tracker. What was your reason for buying it in the first place? Was it to try to motivate yourself to move more by seeing your number of active minutes versus the number of minutes you spend sitting? Or did you have a specific training goal in mind that you wanted to measure your progress toward? In other words, maybe tracking your number of steps or 
your speed or distance or heart rate or some other metric about your athletic performance? Was it to participate in group challenges, maybe with some friends or coworkers? Were you perhaps told that you should get a tracker, maybe by a trainer or a coach or a medical provider? Did they tell you why? Or did you get it because you wanted to keep track of calories in and out to try to lose weight? Number two, follow-up question to that. Are you still using the tracker for the purpose you intended it for when you bought it? And did it help you in the way that you hoped it would? If you bought your tracker for motivation, does seeing those rings close motivate you to take time to care for your body? Or does it instill guilt or shame if you fail to close them? If you were trying to measure progress towards your training goals, do you find that information helpful? Or does it cause you to push yourself to stay on plan even if you don't feel up to it? Are those workplace challenges fun and inspiring and uplifting? Or do they pull you into comparison and competition? If you got it on the advice of a coach or a doctor or a medical professional, what are they saying to you about the information? Is it helping you chase health or is the conversation focused only on weight? And on that note, if you're using a tracker to keep count of calories in and calories out, well, I just need you to know how inaccurate trackers are for this purpose. Studies have shown that they can be off anywhere from 20 to 75%. So chances are that you're spending an awful lot of time putting information into this thing and analyzing the information that comes out to make sure you're in the right calorie and macro range to lose weight. But you're really not anywhere near where you think you are. There's so much more that goes into that equation of calories consumed and calories burned than a watch or an app can figure out. Things like your age, your weight, your resting heart rate, your basal metabolic rate, your level of stress, how much you sleep, your genetics, those are all things that factor into that equation. Plus, I'm not sure if you knew, but food labels are allowed to be off by up to 20% legally in terms of calories in a serving. And not to mention the inaccuracies of like, you know, if there's a hundred calories in a medium apple, did you eat a medium apple or did you actually eat a small apple or a large apple, right? There's so much wiggle room in that calculation, right? So there's really no way to, to do that math accurately unless you're in a lab setting. So now this is where I want you to be really honest about how you're using your tracker now. Because the truth is many people initially buy a tracker because they're hoping it will motivate them by telling them to get up and move more or they see those active minutes versus sitting minutes. But so many of us find ourselves getting sucked in to the calorie measurement features. I know I did. And before I knew it, I'd be logging every morsel I ate in my fitness pal and then syncing my watch information to that to make sure that I burned more than I ate on a given day. And if I didn't, then that would determine how I ate or exercised the next day. It was a it was a vicious cycle where I was like working really hard to make sure that the calories I ate matched up with the calories that I burned to stay in the, the appropriate deficit. And like I say, I, I probably was nowhere near accurate in my calculations. 
it's a slippery and dangerous slope that I see a lot of women finding themselves on that can lead into disordered eating and exercise habits. So I just encourage you to be really honest with yourself and notice if you slipped into that kind of behavior with your tracker. A third question you can ask yourself about your relationship with your tracker is, is it really telling you anything you don't already know? In other words, you have internal cues from your infinitely wise body to let you know what it needs and what's working and what isn't. Just as your body has the ability to let you know when you're hungry, full, and satisfied so that you can determine how much and what types of food to eat and when, your body also has movement cravings like getting fidgety at your desk to let you know when it needs to get up and walk or stiff shoulders that tell you it's time for a stretch. You also have internal signals to let you know if a movement session was enough or not enough. Generally speaking, if you leave the session feeling more energetic than when you started and you've got those good endorphins flowing where, you know, you feel proud and accomplished, revitalized or restored, depending on what your needs were and how you moved that day, then it was enough. It was right. But if you left the workout feeling like you're going to be sick or depleted of energy or heaven forbid injured or you spend the rest of the day exhausted and unable to function, then it was too much. As we talked about in episode eight, there's no magic number for the right amount of steps. 10,000 steps was made up decades ago and just stuck. It's a completely random, arbitrary measurement. And same with other activities. We have national physical activity guidelines that are good for people to aspire to, but you got to remember it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So you've got to decide if it's reasonable and realistic for you at this moment in time. But even so, you don't need a watch to tell you that you hit your targets. You know if you've been active on any given day. You know when you've spent too long sitting at your desk. You know if you haven't been outside for a walk, right? Like what is that watch really telling you that you didn't already know? On that topic, I always thought that the sleep tracking on these things was a really silly and useless piece of data. Am I right? Like, I know when I haven't had a good night's sleep and I don't need the reminder and I certainly don't need the chart outlining in great detail just how bad the issue is because what can you really do about it anyway? And I think sometimes seeing it documented in a chart can cause even more stress and pressure to fix it when if you just knew that your last night's sleep wasn't that great, you'd go to bed early tomorrow. You know what I mean? Our own body signals are fully capable of letting you know what you need and how to take care of yourself. And when it's beyond what you can handle and you're not getting caught up on your sleep, then yeah, you call the doctor or you seek out help. But Having that sleep app constantly remind you that your sleep is not enough might lead you to look for issues or interpret the data as worse than it really is and therefore give you something new to stress or obsess over. So the big question, number four, that you need to ask yourself when it comes to using a fitness tracker is, how is this piece of equipment influencing your relationship to movement and even your body image? Is it helping to make movement a more enjoyable experience? Is it motivating you to be more active? And by motivating, I mean, is it inspiring you and sparking that intrinsic desire to move for the pure good feelings that it brings? 
or is it pulling you into shooting comparison and competition and activating your not enough voice? What does it mean about you if you don't hit your targets or if you do? Are you basing how you feel about yourself on the information the tool provides? Like if my watch says I did enough, then I can deserve to rest or then I can eat what I want this weekend. But if I didn't do enough, then I've got to make up for it with extra exercise or by restricting food. Those are the kinds of things I want you to be really mindful of. What's the self-talk that accompanies the data from the tracker? And if you've reached the point where you feel you can't not track, where your thoughts and behaviors around tracking dominate much of your daily life, and you base all your decisions about how you'll eat or exercise based on what your tracker says, or if you forget to track something and it causes you to stress or do another workout so it counts, then I want to lovingly encourage you to reach out to a licensed mental health professional for support. If you need some recommendations, I have some people I refer to. So you can send me a DM and I'll do my best to help you out. Now, I did say that I don't think trackers are good or bad. So before you start to think that I'm against trackers, let's talk about some of their advantages and how they can be helpful. Because I do think that if you can have a neutral mindset about the data, where it's simply information that you can analyze without it meaning anything about you, then there are some really good uses for fitness trackers. We've talked on this podcast in the past about setting real life goals. In other words, instead of setting weight loss goals, which is problematic and anti-motivating, consider what you might have thought to be your secondary goal. Like, what is it that you're hoping losing weight will help you achieve? Whether that's to have more strength, less joint pain, more stamina or endurance, or to have more mobility so that you can get up and down off the floor easier. And then I suggest making that your primary goal instead of your secondary goal. Now, when it comes to using a fitness tracker, you can use the data it provides to assess how you're progressing towards that real life goal. I'll give you an example. My current real life goal is to improve my cardiovascular endurance so that I can run further and have more ease with running. And I also want to improve my strength so that my legs are strong enough to go the distance. So that's my real life goal and how I'm using my tracker at the moment, which by the way, I don't use a Fitbit or a watch of any kind. All I use is a running app called Strava that tracks my distance and speed. And for strength training, I use a good old pen and paper writing down what I lifted. So I use the data from those two things to check in monthly to see how I'm progressing towards those real life goals of having more endurance and strength. I am absolutely still listening to my body each day to tell me how fast or how long I run for or if I run at all. Maybe I need to walk or rest instead that day and I honor those needs. And I also listen to my body to tell me how much weight I feel like I'm able to lift that day. I do not follow a rigid training plan and I don't use my tracker to assess whether I followed a plan properly or whether I got my training right or wrong. I'm simply training my way, challenging myself on my terms while honoring my body's needs. And then at the end of the month, I can look back and see how has my endurance improved? 
Last month, my longest run was this. This month, it's this. So therefore, my endurance has increased by this many miles or kilometers. I can also take a look at my average speed, not at all from a place of judgment and was I fast enough, but just curiosity. If my average speed increased a little, then I've gotten more conditioned. That would indicate that I have more ease in my running. Do I need that data? Not really. Like it's not really telling me anything I can't figure out on my own. But it is helpful to see those changes in black and white on paper and know that the work I'm putting in is having the desired effect. And the same goes with my strength training goals. By writing down what I lifted and when, I can look back periodically and see those progressions, knowing, of course, that progress isn't always linear. Some days I'm going to lift more and some days less. But over time, you should see those steady improvements. And tracking can help remind you just how far you've come. So that's where I feel like a tracker can be helpful, is just to sort of keep that running history of things so you can see on paper, in black and white, on your app, how your efforts are translating into progress toward your goals. It's about identifying trends and patterns, not about micromanaging all the details. Does that mean I'm suggesting that you start tracking if you haven't been up to now? Not at all. Like I said, there are so many other ways to assess your progress. I mean, if your goal is to increase your endurance like mine is, you'll know when you've achieved that when you start going for longer distances with greater ease. Like I say, the tracker is really not telling you anything new. Your own internal cues are sufficient. But if you can have that neutral mindset with your tracker or app, it can be a nice supplement to your intuitive movement practice. Does that make sense? I hope that helped and got you thinking about your relationship to tracking and to question if using a device is serving you or what meaning you're attaching to the data. In summary, I encourage you to ask yourself, how does the information my tracker provides make me feel? If you feel completely neutral and detached from the information and can simply look at it to see patterns and trends and perhaps use that information to adjust your training accordingly, go ahead and carry on. If, however, you feel a sense of anxiety about needing to track or the data causes you to judge yourself and activates your not good enough voice and you in turn adjust your eating and exercise behavior to try to get back on track, then maybe it's time to try a little break from it and see how you do by listening to your body instead and tapping into those internal cues. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts and takeaways from this episode. Feel free to send me a DM or share this episode on your social media with your thoughts about it, but be sure to tag me so that I can thank you properly. My handle is at Radiant Vitality Wellness on both Instagram and Facebook. So I will see you back here next week with more non-diet motivation. In the meantime, don't forget to send me your questions for the upcoming Ask Me Anything episode. Thanks for tuning in today. Be well, my friend, and here's to your radiant vitality. Thanks for tuning in to the Power in Motion podcast today. If you love what you're learning here, then I invite you to take the next step of embodying these concepts into your own life so that you can live your healthiest, happiest life and never again feel held back by your body. 
Coaching is the fastest, most efficient pathway to taking what you know in your head to actually applying it and seeing results. Whether you're looking to make changes around movement, food, body image, or all three, I'm here to help you nurture a kind, respectful, and trusting relationship with your body so you can feel your very best. Click the link in the show notes to book a free consultation, and together we'll uncover what's getting in the way of you having the results you want. You'll leave this call knowing exactly what you need to work on, and together we'll explore whether one of my coaching offers is a good fit for you. I can't wait to meet you.